The yes and no of God, along with our response, next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. You know, we're always tuning our ears to the Lord with the yes answer in mind. So more often than not, when we hear the no, we don't. We're so tuned to waiting for the yes. And that becomes a problem, especially when that no brings with it a variety of blessings that we otherwise would miss out on. Hi there and welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. David has a goal, a desire. God says no. But then he turns around and tells David what he'll do instead, which is far greater, which brings about praise from David. It's all found here in 2 Samuel chapter 7. That's where we catch up with Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Join us. Turn, if you will, to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 7. And we're continuing our study on the life of David and what a remarkable chapter this is, a remarkable chapter. And uh, this is one of the most pivotal chapters in all the Bible. You wouldn't know it just reading it at first, but it is so pivotal because we know after this chapter where Messiah is going to come from. It's narrowed down to one family. We start out in the Old Testament, the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. We come down to Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis. It's going to be through one of his 12 sons, Israel. Then we find out it's going to be out of the tribe of Judah. And then you come to this chapter and you find out there's a member of that tribe called the house of David. It's going to come out of the house of David. So key, key chapter in the Bible that tells you that Messiah is the son of David and related to him. There's three things we want to look at in the chapter. Uh, we want to look at God's no that he says to David, and he gives him a clear no on his desire to build God a house. Then we want to see what God said he would build for David, just because he had the desire to do something for God. And then we want to look at the end, uh, David begins to praise the living God and prays to him. Uh, you know, it's a great chapter because you're going to see in the same chapter God saying no to a temporal project and saying yes to eternal promises. And you may experience this in your own life that you're going to hear God say no to some things you want, some things you think are good, some things you want to do, and you may hear a loud no from God, just not be able to do it. And you want to see what David did in this. Notice, let's begin. And the king, after the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a palace of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. Now the prophet jumped the gun here, and God wakes him up in the night. And he says to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. 
I've been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of the rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built a house of cedar? And so uh, he proceeds to tell him, and as you read the Chronicles narrative, he says in 1 Chronicles 22, you're not the one to build the house for me. I don't want you to do it. And this could have been one of David's uh, greatest disappointments because he hears God say no to something that was deeply in his heart to do. Uh, imagine on a rainy night, uh, he's in this palace that Hiram has helped build for him. He has escaped from En Gedi. He's no longer at Agilum. He's no longer being chased. And while he sees all this luxury and blessing around him, his mind goes to his God who got him there. This is, this is a man after God's own heart. In his promotion, when he's on top of the world, he remembers God. And he's disturbed that the ark, let's say it's a rainy night, that the ark is out in an old tent, that which represents the presence and the reign of God is out here in neglect. And David says, I can't stand it. What am I doing living in a palace and my God's living in a shack, as it were. It's a wonderful thing in a man or woman's heart when they're more concerned about the things of God than they are their own things. I see some people, every time it comes to the work of God, they're frugal, and when it comes to them, no expenses are spared. Uh, anything for the church, go low dollar. If it's for them, nothing's too good. David is a man that says, nothing's too good for God. Yeah, I think the saints, uh, so many saints don't give as much to God as they give to a waitress for a meal. I just ate at a restaurant recently, and they said, gratuity, 16%. I thought, boy, I wish our people gave that kind of money to God. 16%. Instead of tipping God, just think, if you tip God today, according to that restaurant, you'd have to give him 16%. But David was a man of a different heart. He says, I want to do something noble for God. I don't like him living in a tent. And Nathan says, it sounds good to me. Go for it. God sends him a message back. He says, you're not the man. I got another man. I'm going to do this through. You just can't do it. And uh, it raises the issue, what do you do when God says no? Uh, God said no to Paul after he requested a thorn to be removed three times. God's answer was, no, I'm not going to remove it. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to continue to serve me, David? Or do you want to bail out? David, or, or Paul basically said, I'm going to serve you in pain. I'm going to serve you with a thorn. God doesn't remove all of our thorns. And God doesn't say yes to everything we want to do. Uh, now, what does David do? Uh, if you read 1 Chronicles 22, he begins to raise money for this project. He, in essence, gets an architect. They start planning it. Uh, he gives great gifts out of his own well. Uh, he instructs Solomon. Instead of uh, going off in a corner and dropping the idea, he basically saying, if I don't get to do it, Surely God deserves it, 
and I'm going to do everything I can to see that it happens, even if you call it Solomon's temple and not David's temple. Some people won't back anything they're not the head of because they're in it because they're the head. David said, it doesn't have to be in my name. I'm doing this for God's name. I want God to have a place that is reverential and for Israel to come and say, you've got a mighty God and he deserves something more than a tent. He deserves a great house. But I want us to look at uh, how we respond to thwarted desires and what we can learn about when God says no. I, I, the first thing I would think of is David manifested acceptance without pouting. You see nothing in the narrative about him being upset, arguing, coming back. Uh, how could this be? Uh, I've been, I'm anointed the king. I fought battles for you. You don't hear any of this. He just accepts it and never misses a beat. He assumes the answer is no. Acceptance without pouting. You know, when you're raising children, uh, the greatest manifestation of whether they're really honoring you as a parent is probably the way they respond to your no's, not your yeses. Anybody can say yes and be a hero. People never like to hear a no. They say you can never make friends that you say no to. And uh, saying no to a child, you know, you go through this, slam the door, pout. You know, you're a hero if those car keys are available every weekend. You're a hero if, yes, you can do that. Yes, you can stay any hour you want. Why, yes, we would not want to curb your precious bents. See, if you learn to become a Calvinist, you treat them as depraved. You know they have depraved bents. And you want to curb them in and say, I can't let you do everything you want to do because everything you want to do isn't good for you. And most parental no's are protective no's. No, you can't do that because I'm trying to protect you. I don't want you out that late not to destroy the party, but I want you to get home on time so I can get some rest so I'll know you're home safe and sound. And the kid could either say, thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for your protective love. I know you didn't want to say no, but with all your heart, you meant it. I bowed to you, Dad. <laughs> no, what we're hoping is they don't go ballistic or threaten to burn the house down or, or put arsenic in our coffee. Because, how can you say no to me? Because you're my kid. And we do this with God. Who do you think you are to say no to a noble desire? I want to do it for you. This house is for you. I'm not going out here to build me a house. This is a noble thing this man wanted to do. And he hears God's no. And what does he do? He accepts. He doesn't pout. The second thing in the no of God is not rejection of a man, but redirection of his life. God's not rejecting David in the no. He's still God's man. God's still going to use him. God's still going to bless him. But he says, I'm rejecting you for this project, but I'm not rejecting you as a person. I'm going to redirect your life on other projects, but you're not the man to do this. Now, he said in Chronicles, the reason he wasn't the man was that he was a bloody man. He was a warrior. 
and, and I think in this we see generational work uh, that goes on. I think of World War II. I think of the, the film Pearl Harbor. I mean, uh, we've got a whole generation in this church. Pearl Harbor, what's that? Is that in Honolulu? Was it, what war are we talking about? Was there a war? Uh, here, I got a father-in-law, 75, that came into Iwo Jima, was out there, and I, I want to tell you, if you don't have time to talk about World War II or disrespectful, he'd cuss you in a minute. He'd cuss you. He wouldn't, he'd cuss you. He's not a believer, and he, he's not really, really interested, but he'd cuss you about that war. You ungrateful brat. You better not burn that flag in front of me. I put my life on the line to keep this country free. I don't need a bunch of brats that don't even know it happened. It's called generational differences. But that generation won a war that enabled the rest of us to enjoy a prosperity no country has ever had more of. Thank you. Thank you, all you men and women that were a part of it. Thank you. We're free by the grace of God and the victory of that war. But here David is. David is a, the guy that won the battle so the son can do the building. And it seems unfair. Have you ever read the Bible and you said, if I were God, I would have done it different? Do you ever play that game? I love to do that. And the guy just smacks me. If I was God, I would have let David build this house. He deserved it. I disagree with God. I'd name it David's temple. I really would. He fought the war. He gave the money. My land, that Solomon just a spoiled brat. He inherits the peace his daddy fought to win. He never picked up a sword in his life. He's too busy kissing on a woman. I mean, come on. David was down there in En Gedi. David was out there fighting Goliath. David fought, fought, fought. And then God says, no, you can't do this project. And David had to accept it that God had not rejected him. He had simply redirected the way he wanted him to go. And I think the third thing we can learn when God says no, a no, a temporal no, may lead to a greater yes. Uh, if you just hold on, you don't know the final outcome. A no from God may be a temporal no, but God has a much greater yes to give you if you'll just respond to him right. Uh, Garth Brooks, you know, sings the song, Unanswered Prayer. And he tells the story of going to the uh, class reunion. And while he's there, he sees a gal that he liked when he was in high school. And he thought they'd be husband and wife. And... Uh, he's gone on and married another woman. And when he's there at that class reunion, he sees this gal he was so in love with, and he starts singing, Thank God for unanswered prayer. <laughs> Woo, that's what I would have got. <laughs> oh, man. I'll tell you, we went to uh, uh, Carolyn's uh, 25th class reunion. It was out of Boundary Oaks. I pull up there, you know, this is her class. I don't know all these people. So I go in, I get parked. I go in, there's several parties going. And I look in this one room. I said, oh, this couldn't be it. That crowd's old. 
That was her class. Man, bald-headed, beard guts. I mean, it was bad. I mean, false teeth, you know, patched eyes. I said, is that our generation? Man, they need help. I tried to get into the other party, but that crowd was too young. They said, you look old. I want to tell you, thank God for the prayers he has not answered in your life. Thank God his nose showed up when you didn't know which way to go. You used to think she was cute. And now you look in the dictionary for ugly and there's her picture. I mean, you, you know, you, you were way off base. She said when you fell in the cookie dough, they made gorilla cookies. So, you know, it's back and forth. I'm telling you, oh, I want it, I want it, I want it. Don't break my heart. And then you get away and you walk later and say, whoo, I'm glad I missed that one. <laughs> yeah, who is watching out for who? And, and when you pray, God's got a little monitor going up. And it goes this way. You pray, he says, uh-oh, Bozo's praying again. <laughs> and every once in a while, one gets through. He said, ooh, that came from the Holy Spirit. Grant that one. Uh, Bozo. About 10 bozo requests. Give me this, give me that, I want this, and want that. No bozo. And then all of a sudden, something happens that goes like this. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for the children of God. From when we don't know what to ask for like we ought, he makes requests. That's what God gives you. And that's what you need. Have you ever sent up a bozo request? You don't raise your hand. That's enough. Thank you. <laughs> I'll tell you the best stuff I got in my life. The spirit was asking God, and I got the package and looked brilliant. You started saying, Woo, I didn't know you had so much discernment. I didn't. What did you offer? Have you ever had one of those prayer meetings where all you offered was, uh, just a grunt? You couldn't even articulate it. I need something. That's pretty indefinite. It's like going in the store and saying, I need groceries. Well, yeah, what kind? And I've had those times I just said, I need something. And you know what you start learning? You just hand the menu to God and say, God, you fill it in. You know what I need. I, I don't know what I need. Phil, I can trust you. I can trust you to fill in the blanks. So, God says no to a lot of stuff his children think they need. I don't think an apostle needs a thorn. God did. I don't think Jacob needed to be wounded there at Bethel. Good night. He's going to be the father of a nation. We don't need a guy with a hip out of joint leading a nation. God says, oh, yes, we do. Because I know his character and a limp's going to keep him straight. Well, he says, no. You may not like God's no's, but if you're trusting for the no's, you're going to really enjoy the yeses. Well, um, let's move on. What does God do? He sent Nathan down there to say no, and David just takes it and it just rolls off of it. You just don't hear any more about it. But notice what God says in verse 8. Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. 
I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will. Now notice this I will. This is not the I will of Satan. This is God talking. I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men of the earth. Now look, at the same, same meeting with the prophet, God has just said no to a building project. And then he says, I'm going to become your PR agent, David. I'm going to see to it everybody knows your name. He said it to Abraham, and now he's saying it to David. I want everybody to know your name. Now, now, I tell you, when God wants to make your name known, he can do it. But why would anybody want to know MacArthur's name, Billy Joe's name, or Bubba's name? Why would God do this? Watch. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. And this happened uh, shortly. You read in chapters 8 through 10. David vanquishes many of the enemies, so he sets up the kingdom for Solomon. And by the time Solomon comes on the scene, the enemies have been vanquished. And so there's an immediate fulfillment. He gives them immediate peace after David wins all of his battles. But I think it's a promise, as we will see, that will have ramifications even to the future. The Lord, notice, declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. Now he's not talking about a building here. He's talking about a dynasty. Your household, your posterity. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. This is Solomon. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom for a few days. How long? Forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. Do you hear what God said to this man that he just said no to? I'm saying no to a temporal project, but I pledge myself to eternally bless your house. I'm going to give you a house forever. I'm going to give you a kingdom forever. Uh, I'm going to give you a reign forever. And as you follow this prophecy, you read... Psalms 89, he says, God will not break this covenant he made with David. You go to Jeremiah 33, he said, my covenant with David is like my covenant with the moon and the stars and the sun. If they should pass away, then would I not keep my promise to David. But as sure as the moon is there, as sure as the stars, as sure as there's a sun, I will see to it that I will do what I promised to David.
And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time together has come to a close here, but as we leave you, we'd like to do so with our address and phone number if you'd like to contact us. And we would love to hear from you. You see, Truth For Today airs here on KFAX in part through financial partnerships with our listeners, such as yourself. If the Lord is prompting you to make either a one-time gift or be a monthly donor, we would love to hear from you. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. Please take a moment and contact us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And as our way of saying thank you for your partnership with us, we'll make you a TFT sustainer, which includes our quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional, into your email box every week. Again, it's all part of our TFT Sustainers Package. Contact us and learn more at 855-833-9864, or simply stop by our website, valleybible.org. And you can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you stop by our website, valleybible.org, please remember other resource materials are available there. Other series is taught by Pastor Phil, some of the books that he's authored. You can also find out about Valley Bible Church, who we are and what we believe, how to get here, times that we worship. And you're more than welcome to join us. Again, you'll find it all at valleybible.org. Stop by and pay us a visit. Then drop us an email and let us know you did pay us a visit. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. <music>